Yeah, All right, so our next topic, though, is Shannon Sharp. He got bought out, and he's leaving Undisputed. And, Jay, I wanted your take on this because he's leaving behind Skip. Yeah, I know he is. I, I, I just don't know enough about it right now. I don't know if this was Shannon saying, I'm done with this, or if this was Fox saying, this isn't going to work. Can we show the clip from the day that the two of them got it? It's, it's a I common... Was, I was going to yeah. ask you that. It's, Let me see if I can find it on Twitter real quick. Okay, I, you can just Google Shannon Sharp and it'll come up. It'll be the, probably the first one that comes when up. When I, I wasn't watching the show live, I, I just don't have time in my busy life to watch those shows live anymore. I te- I typically only see the, the clips that get that go they viral. Go viral. Yeah. That go viral. Because I don't even see Twitter enough to see like daily clips. But mm-hmm. whenever either first take or undisputed something goes off the rails, I'm usually texted that clip by... Tons of coworkers. Because a lot of my yeah. former coworkers are still at first take, and a lot of my former coworkers followed Skip the Fox. So I, I hear from and get these things mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, the day that they had the dust up about the Demar Hamlin uh, topic, I said, "Uh oh, there's a divorce coming," mm. because it crossed the line of. Um, this is for show. This is a television show. It got, it got personal. And it got real personal. It got personal. And I was there in between Skip and Jalen Rose in one instance and Chris Carter in another instance. And it never ends well. It almost always ends in divorce because it gets personal and then there's hatred involved. The one thing I can tell you that is absolutely a fact, when Skip and Stephen A worked together for all the years they worked together, there was a mutual respect. It never got personal. It got heated. It got heated a lot, and a lot of people thought things were done or said that crossed the line, but they weren't there in the commercial break that as soon as we dipped commercial, Skip and Stephen A. both reached their hands across the uh, table and said that was a good segment, no hard feelings. Those two had that unbelievable gear where they both had big egos. You have to to be in that position, but they could also check their ego with one another. Mm -hmm. They couldn't do it. Skip with Jalen Rose, skip with Chris Carter, skip with Shannon. Shannon is one of the most competitive guys you'll ever meet. Still to, I mean, he was to ready now. To, he was ready to fight the Grizzlies I know. at a Lakers game I know. earlier this season. I mean, he season. got tossed. Yeah. He got thrown out of the arena. Uh, we have the clip, by the way. Anthony, you want to play the clip? Okay, so if you haven't seen it, this was the day that, for me, this relationship, this partnership was, was doomed for this ending. Two days after DeMar Hamlin, yeah. Anthony could play it. Understand. There's something you want to share this morning. Good morning, yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear. But I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yep. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead. Let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you I were going to bring no, up. No, it. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where Demar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. 
I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No, clearly the bosses wanted you to offer explanations. So clearly, somebody. No, they had a did not have. The, nobody. Let's go, Jen. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers remain with. Yeah, I've been I've been in that same spot where you're you're watching this thing go down, and it's like in real time in slow motion, you're watching a train come off the tracks. Yeah, and um, I, I'm not going to pick a side on that. I, I would only say this: when Skip picks a side, you ain't moving him. He's not budging. He will never say I'm sorry. He will never say I'm wrong. He will never retract something that he said. I've never seen him do it. In the all the years I worked with him, I've never seen him do that. You know, UJ, I thought that was the first sign, but for me, what, what sealed it was they came back a couple months later, right? And they're having a conversation about Tom Brady, right? And then the Tom Brady conversation, uh, Skip tells Shannon, like, hey, man, you're jealous of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And I, Sh- Shannon takes his glasses off, like, and Skip's like, "Put your glasses back." Yeah, on. like, what are you gonna do? Like, come on, like, what are you talking about, bro? And he's like, "Listen, Skip, I- I'm not, I'm not worried about Tom Brady. Like, I'm in the Hall of Fame too. Like, ain't I- you act like I'm garbage?" He was like, "Nobody don't care about that." <laughs> like, so it was. You saw in in real time. You seen Shannon's face where it was like, he felt like, oh, well, he made it personal, like me versus Tom Brady, and he you. You talked about me as a player. Like, I, I think, and I was going to ask you, do you do you believe that intrinsically when you do shows like that, right, it's it's the very rare 1% or 2% of people that can talk and say certain things and then still leave, break up, come back, and do the show again. Do you believe that those types of shows always will eventually end in something like that because what you're talking about is combative? Like, the, you yeah. are... It's not nothing that you agree on. You you practice combativeness, and it's kind of hard not to cross the line that you may not. Know. Well, and to add to that, let's just take a look at the personality type that it that is demanded to become a driving force in television. Type A alpha dog. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's no back down in any of these guys. Skip, Stephen A, Shannon. Shannon, by the way, is as good as anyone that's done it. He's phenomenal. Oh, he Shannon's is phenomenal. tremendous his, at his, what he does. His following is massive. Top notch. I thought that there'd be a lot of blowback, like, you know, let him go, let him walk. But a lot of the uh, social stuff I read, Shannon's got a lot of people that are in his corner on this. And I will say, um, and I love Skip Bayless with everything I have. He's a tremendous human being. The one area I wish, and you know, look, I, I'm not, I, I'm not in the business of changing people, but if I could, if I could wish one change upon him, it would be that he pay a higher respect to the athletes that have done it at that level. Yeah. yeah. When things went south with Jalen, what precipitated all of that was he asked Jalen, "Well, what did you ever win?" Yeah. Yeah. That. Well. You can't say to um, an iconic college basketball star and a guy who had an incredible professional career. He was a good career, pro. He was a very good pro. You can't one-up him by saying, well, you never won a championship. And he did the same thing to Chris Carter. And Chris was like, I'm done with this cat. I'll never work with this yeah. cat again. And, and it was pretty much both ways. Like, after the Jalen thing, there was a band that was like, well, Jalen's not coming on the set. Now, the next day, 
there was a cleanup show, I used to call them. Mm -hmm. So we got a cleanup on aisle six. And you said, well, actually, I don't know if you could say that. There was a meeting, a long meeting before the show. And for the, if you don't, if, if, if you haven't seen it, you can YouTube it. Um, Jalen basically, after Skip gave the dig that what have you won, Jalen said, if we're going to play that game, didn't you average 1.2 points per game or yeah. 2.1 <laughs> points, whatever it was, yeah. your senior year as a point guard in high school? And Skip, I'd never seen Skip need a standing eight count in all the years I worked with him. Yep. But that day, I felt Skip was on his heels and needed he needed a control-alt-delete. Give me that 20-second timeout, Coach. Yes. Well, but he, the right. next day, didn't he come out and like try to justify? So what happened was the show was in a transitionary period where it was becoming all debate. First take used to be, you know, we would have Michael. We'd, right. have, we'd interview Michael or Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. and then we'd do a segment on the upcoming Monday Night Football game. And then we would do a debate segment. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back at the debate uh, set at 11.45. And when we come back, we're going to debate X, Y, and Z. But then we would go back into the variety coverage. We would yeah. you know, have guests, A-list guests, and we would do everything in the show. But we had a new coordinating producer that came on board that felt like this is a debate show. This is a two-hour, nothing-but-debate show. So we had transitioned into that world. And Skip was clearly the driving force of that show. And at that time, Stephen A. was not an everyday He's one of the ro- He was rotating. one of the rotating yeah. guys that would yeah. come in. Well, Jalen made some other attacks on Skip. He said, you know, you said that you idolized Pistol Pete Maravich. You were water Pistol Pete. Well, <laughs> you know, Skip can throw stones, yeah. but when you throw them back, you better duck. Because he's coming napalm, you know? Because then the gloves is off. The gloves are off. And so what happened was we got through the show. It was incredibly awkward, incredibly awkward. The next day, there was this huge pre-show meeting where Skip felt like he had been denigrated and we were going to (laughs) spend, I still can't believe we did this, and I I voiced my disapproval of it. I didn't want to do it. But I was told, no, this is how it's going to go. Skip wants to explain what happened his senior year in high school. And I said, (laughs) with all due respect to Skip, no one cares. Yeah. No No one cares about that. I mean, that That, that wasn't even where the debate came off the rails. Are we going to give Jalen an opportunity to explain his? Right. He signed a seven-year, $126 million contract in the NBA and why he deserved that probably more. And so I just felt like we were putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. So we're going to address the elephant in the room, which wasn't Skip disrespecting an accomplished professional basketball player by asking him what he won. We're going to give him a platform to explain why he didn't start his senior year. And yeah. Skip was passionate about this, man. He told me, I feel strongly about this, Jay. The coach's son was on the team, and he didn't like me because I was better than him. And in a summer tournament, that the year before that, I was the MVP of the summer tournament. I averaged 14 points a game, <laughs> and I beat his son, and he didn't like me, and he benched me. All of that may be factually correct, but it happened in the 70s or 60s, and nobody... Nobody cares. Yeah, no one cares. Bro. Our audience no cares, cares zero yeah. about that. And I felt like that was one of the times where I felt we lost the ball on the show. What, one thing with those kind of shows, and, and Jay, you're right, it is an, to be in a one-on-one debate setting like that, 
especially in a two-hour show with millions and millions of viewers, you have to be a one percenter, a type A alpha dog, and you better be ready to back up whatever you say. That's right. Because there's and no Skip shield. That guy. There's no shield. And Skip's, say what you want about Skip, like him or hate him, Mount Rushmore of that. He's the best. I, I, I Stephen will say, A. Skip is, to me, the number best. one. Stephen A is one double A. But like, they're, Mount, they're Mount right Rushmore. behind him. Shannon Sharp might be on the Mount Rushmore. Like, I think so. Three of the all-time greats at doing what they do. Correct. And when you have those guys, you're going to butt heads. Yeah, and, and I do to think, your point, like, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. But now, what, what astounded me with Skip and Stephen A is it never happened. Skip left the show not because there was any beef with Stephen A. Fox was dangling $7 million a year yeah. or whatever the number was then in front of him to come. So I don't. I never blamed Skip no. for that. Skip, that was a smart business yeah. move. Skip is the one of the smartest, most hardworking guys I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. I've ever seen in television. He is committed to his craft like no one I've ever seen. Stephen A is right there with yep. him. But what what astounded me with Skip and Stephen A was there was never any beef. There was never anything where I felt like I was going to have to stand up and push the two aside. Yeah. It was real. It was genuine. It was raw at times, but it never crossed the line. With Skip and others, it did. And now, I, I wonder if it's because they're both sports writers. And that's, that's what I was, was going to say. I wonder yes. if it's because Stephen A. didn't have the traditional. I played at an elite yes, level. That is difference. I, that that's kind of what has always Skip gotten was Skip a good in trouble. High school basketball player, although his stats clearly didn't yeah. show it. He was Skip was a good player. Uh, Stephen A. was a very good player who played collegiate. In college, yep. But what happens is there's, there's, there's levels to this. Yes. You know that you played at a high collegiate level. Mm-hmm. You played Division One college football. That puts you in a very elite company. But it goes higher than that, though. But then there's you got NFL guys that had cups of coffee. Yep. Then you got NFL guys that had nice careers. Then you got NFL guys that had Hall of Fame careers. And with Chris Carter, when, I, when the Chris Carter thing happened, and it came off the rails. I just I was kind of shocked that Skip completely dismissed his playing career by saying, "What did you ever win?" Yeah, I'm like that. He has a that gold, goes below the belt. That he has a gold jacket. Yes. yes, like that's like we talked about Joe Thomas and we said, Joe, would you? Which is a bigger thing? Would you have wanted to have a Super Bowl title, or a Super Bowl ring, or the gold jacket? And he said, "Man, this is a rough one, man." Stuff. I mean, super, the gold jacket in in. The NFL is probably one of the most difficult things to get into. This is one of the biggest things that you could possibly actually get in your life. It's the the biggest individual award you can get in professional sports is to be inducted for your body of work. Yes. Not a year, not a game, body of work. It's not NBA where the NBA talks about your high school and collegiate mixed in. It's the NFL where it's the top 1% and you are the 1% of the 1% at that level. So when you say, what have you done? These guys are incensed. They're like, hold on. You must not know. That's a level of disrespect that is they're they're not going to sit there and say, well, yeah, you're right. I never won anything, but I played for 17 years and, you know, made millions of hundreds of millions of dollars during it. It's (laughs) so it was it you. I I just wish Skip would never go there. Yeah. We we had a fascinating show after that, after the Chris Carter show. I think Robert Smith might have been a part of that. It was kind of a panel discussion where we had pro athletes on, and then I can't remember if Stephen A. was a part of that or not, but we had Skip types and, and others. It may have been Stephen A. It was one of the most 
riveting shows I'd ever done. In fact, we blew through so a lot of commercial breaks because it was so good. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're not breaking this. We're yeah. Stay with this. And the discussion was, did you have to play the game at a high level to be able to analyze it successfully? Right, right, right. Because the pros will tell you what Jim Mora famously said in a post-game interview rant. All of the media, he said, you think you know, but you don't, mm-hmm. and you never will. And what he was saying there was, it's one thing to sit up in the press box where there's no fire coming at you mm-hmm. and watch and write. It's another thing to do it at a high level for a very long time. There is a level of understanding that I believe you have had to have played the game for a long time before you can throw all the stones. It doesn't mean you can't be good. I agree. But there's, a, there's another level to and gee, I'm sure you can talk about it in football. I could look at – I played football one year in my life. Pee Wee, second grade. I hated it. I played left tackle. I got pancaked every play. It was the most <laughs> terrible decision. The coach was an idiot. I don't know. I was 42 pounds, whatever. I will never understand the intricacies of offensive line as well as someone who played. I could study. I could watch. I could tell you what I think is important. But you can I, tell me basketball think, principles. But I cannot tell you to the level G can or someone higher – hand placement, if this guy takes a faint step left and he's going to come right, why that throws off. It, and it, it's okay it, to I back study. down yeah. to that, too. Like, I wish Skip just would have said, you know what, Jalen, I'm going to defer to you on this because you've done it. So, so you know, even, even but we, Skip is adamant. He thinks he knows the game better than any coach, yep. player, or general manager because he's watched it and studied it for his entire life. And he does know a lot about it. Yep. But I just think there's another level that you, to reach that next level, you have to have been in the battle so, at so, some point so at I've, a high level. I've been looking at it like this, like even with PFF, right? We talk about how those grades so accurate. There is one thing, there is one thing that is very minute that they're missing. What is the play call? And, it, and that, <laughs> I've always said that. I, and you, by the way, that's the elephant in the room. Yes. How, how do you know if Miles Garrett carried out his assignment? You, you don't know yeah. what his assignment you, was. Yeah. Unless, unless the, the league and you know, the teams are giving you and a, they're call, not. a call sheet that says, they would never on this play, this play, this play, this play, this play, this play. Yeah. He was supposed to be here, here, here. They're not getting that. It's just conjecture. Yep. You That's get, right. It's the best you're going to get. It's an educated guess. That's right. And so you really, even with Tybus, Tybus, like, you know, Tybus played in the league. When, he, when it comes to defensive backs, I'm not going to be telling him what the defensive backs is going do that's his assignments that's his right. that's his lane when he does his breakdowns he says based on the formation I think they're doing so right I this think is why I think two, they messed up but the I don't breakdown. Know. and if yeah. they are in cover two then this player's responsibility yep. is X and this one's Y and but even then there was an example this year where Tyvis on the um, Jets onside kick mm-hmm. he diagrammed it and he said these guys are just out of position but then he came back and found out because he checked. Yeah, he went talk, he That's went, the way they were playing it. Yeah, and he it was went wrong. Back and checked with somebody, it, right? right? He, and he thought it was wrong the first time because he goes, "There's no way someone would coach him up like this." But they did, and that is, and it turned out to be a catastrophe. And, and that's why he's not here it happened, anymore. and that, yeah. that coach is but no longer right. here. But you're right. Tyvis said, "I mean, there's only one way to play an onside kick, and it's this way." And the fact that they didn't, but then later in the season they missed another onside kick, and he really did some digging with special teams coaches. He's like, "No." That's kind of how that's, it was coached. That's yeah. how they're moving. Okay, yeah. well now now we know, but the PFF grades they don't know. Yeah. But there are so much there's so much nuance and so much going on. There's a reason we put professional athletes in the booth as analysts. Yep. yep. There's a reason for that. Oh, there are 32 teams in the NFL. There are 32 NFL radio teams. 31 of them 
have a former player as the analyst. Who doesn't? The Browns. It, it, when you watch a game on television, there's always a former player in the color y analyst yep. role. Yes. They just have a better understanding yep. <laughs> yes. of the game. And I just, I always thought that as much as I love Skip and as much as I've admired him and as much as his, you know, he's the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion, I just wish that he would have been a little more reverential, a little more respectful to the former players that yeah. have a very valuable skill set that they bring. If you disagree with them in opinion, that's fine. But when one of them is telling you, no, Skip, this is a zone, and Skip's saying, no, it's a man. You're like, going to trust the guy who I'm going to trust the guy that did it. Anthony, last point, and then get a read in here, but to Skip and Shannon, if you guys ever want to come on the show to discuss, yeah. we'll pull up a seat, open always, invite. Always welcome. Open invite. I know you've been working on trying to get Skip. His schedule's a little wonky. We'll keep working on that. Right. Shannon, you too. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, McNuggets. Yes, sir. You said you had a suggestion that who should be on the panel with Skip. Oh, yeah, I do want to see Draymond, yeah. Draymond Green take that spot. Ooh, that'd be great. Draymond Green just retired. He would probably get as much money. Wait, did he, he did retire? No, no, I'm saying he should. Oh, okay, yeah, no. He, he already does his podcast. He does all the media stuff. Yeah. I know his player options for $30 million, so he won't get that much to do it, but sure. Draymond Green is out of his mind, and he will say anything to anyone and will not hold back. Similar to how Draymond's Shannon Sharp is. Draymond's going to be a star in the media Draymond world. Green is the next Shannon Sharp, yeah. and I think him versus Skip doing it out because they good, have al already kind of jousted uh, I on think Twitter, Skip so. may have tweeted something yesterday where he said, I'm not going to comment on this right now. So really the question mark is, was this precipitated by Skip going to Fox executives saying, I, I can't do the yeah. show with him anymore? Or was this Shannon going to Fox officials and saying, I can't do this anymore do with it. this guy. I, 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 I could physically hurt him. He could get his own. He'll, he'll land and, on his feet. He's going oh, to be fine. He's going to be, be a free fine. agent yeah. for a minute. He, his podcast is it's incredible. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And so is Skips, by the way. Yeah. They, they both, both do they, good numbers. Yeah. So um, you may remember if you watch this show regularly, we had Stephen A. back in January or February. I can't remember January. what it was. Yep. We had Stephen A. on. And the, I think the last question I asked him was, Will we ever see a reunion of any sorts between you and Skip? And he definitively passed yeah, on that. Yeah, he yeah, said, he no, said, that nah. ship has sailed. We had great years together. We were a wonderful team. We're each doing great things on our own right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't see it in the cards. And sadly, I don't either. As yeah. much as I would like to see the, a reunion yeah. between. Can you imagine? That breaks the bank. That break, breaks you can put internet. it on pay-per-view. I'd pay $99.99 to watch those two debate. And the topics have to be. Was Tim Tebow a good quarterback? <laughs> LeBron, is LeBron, is LeBron? LeBron clutch? It has to be just run the, run the classics. Yeah. I don't care. Jay, you have to be a part of it if they do. No, I'll, I'll watch it. First take, last I'll take, I think it. you called it. Anthony, yeah. it is 12-12, uh, which means we've been in the lunch hour for 12 minutes now. We forgot to tell us who it's by. Yeah, who's yeah, watching uh, the lunch so hour? So, as always, the lunch hour is brought to you by Colleague Companies Championship. Uh, see your favorite golf legends play in the Colleague Companies Championship July 12th through July 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. Fun, family-friendly events all week long featuring a new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every night. There's something for everyone. Learn more at ColleagueGolf.com. Com. So, guys, we're going to pivot here to the Guardians, and we're going to get into our Guardians topic today. I'm working on our guest right now. She's having a little issues connecting into our system. Right. So, just go ahead and take it away okay. with the Guardians game last night. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll quickly be. say um, author Elena Sharps, uh, Alana, Elena, Alana. Elena. I'm not Elena. sure. Um, she is was scheduled to be on the show at 12.15. She's put together this really interesting panel on – how to help NFL teams navigate some pretty choppy waters. Um, the domestic violence issue, 
uh, player safety issues. She's worked with a couple NFL teams already. We just thought she'd be a good resource for the show to sort of pick her brain on a lot of things that are top of mind in the NFL. We're trying to connect with her. If we do, we'll bring her on. In the meantime, we're going to jump ahead on our rundown and we're going to go down to the Guardians, losing 7-6 last night. I've said this a couple times this year, and I know it's hyperbole, and I am absolutely, when it comes to the Guardians, I am Duke of Niger. <laughs> yes, yes like, I am absolutely that, Duke of Niger. That's why we, you two we could, spots we could not to wait to get Jay in here because, you know, I asked Jay, <laughs> Memorial Day, we you got to wait till Memorial Day to start talking yeah. about. Yep. And, and now you had we're said here. At, at the beginning of the season, where do you expect them to be at the at the, the third, third? Yep. When we get to a third of the way through the season, and I said they're going to be five hundred. Yeah. Now they're twenty four and twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. They're five under five hundred. Um, what really? What what? Twenty five and thirty one. I'm sorry. They're they're uh, six under. Had they won last night, and they should have, then that those numbers would read twenty six and 30, and two and a half games out. Yep. So the big, big difference here is that, or no, they'd be three and a half games out, right? Uh, yeah, they would have They'd be closer. They, they lost a game. Yeah. They, so yeah. they'd be three they and a half game, games three out. out. These games are so critical. Mm -hmm. I've said a couple of times this was the ugliest loss of the year. I feel like last night it really was the ugliest loss of the year for a lot of reasons. They have nice momentum. Mm -hmm. They were really putting things together. They're starting to score runs. They've got 28 runs now on this four-game road trip. The bats are coming to life. They they after uh, after after uh, they were they were up six to three, and yep. I thought this is it. It's yep. going to be a victory, and they just snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Stefan came in, gave up three runs in the eighth, and then Eli Morgan was terrible in the ninth, yeah. loaded the bases, they won it on a sack fly. I got a question. It felt horrible. I, I have to add, this is what I don't understand sometimes. We don't question Tito 99 out of 100 times, and he has earned the benefit of the doubt for us yeah. not to question him. He pitched Class A on Tuesday night when the Guardians were down three. Right. He then pitched him Wednesday night when they were up four. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 and he was not available for the game last night. I don't have an answer for you. I've asked, I'm asking the same question. That is what I do not understand. And, and not have Listen, the bullpen we talked about last year was the strength of this team. Yep. And bullpen year to year is the most variant of any portion of a baseball team. Yeah. Some years it's great, some years it's not. This year it has not been good for the Guardians. But to use your ace, and I know Class A has not been the same class that he was last year, but to use him – down three and then up four. Well, two down non three is the one that I'm like, what, what are you doing? Two non-safe situations. I, I'll live with the up four. And he pitched great in both, by the way. He right. threw 21 pitches total in those two games. Yeah. But he's not pitching three out of four nights. No. And I don't understand for the life of me. And, I, and maybe Tuesday it was just to get him a little work because he hadn't pitched in a while. But then this series means more than the, the Baltimore series does, and it meant more than the St. Louis series does. The problem is and you to won't continue to admit I, that. I, I, he won't. I, and, I know, and he earned – he's – they all the benefit the same, of the doubt. But, but, but the fact of the matter is fans know these games It was a are bad decision. Like, straight yeah. up, Tito, it was a bad decision. And very rarely can we say, objectively, that was a mistake by Tito. That was a mistake by Tito. I agree. And I think it had an impact on what we saw on the field. Um, look, no one's running away with this division. The Twins starting no. pitching has been very, very good. Yeah. Very good. And they're hitting home runs. But, you know, the team's averages are exactly the same. Yep. One they're averaging power more and... than one run a game than we yeah. are. And the reason is they've hit in the, set high, I think, high 70s in home runs, and we've got like 33. Yeah. So uh, this team's lack of power is inexplicable. Mm -hmm. And what it's going to lead to is us saying bye-bye to Shane Bieber.
he won't be here after the trade deadline. Um, I've seen already some outlets are reporting that he is going to be traded. I think you have to start making a real hard decision by June 1st, which we're past. Do not just are you in it? Right. Because right. that's the wrong question to no, ask. Can you win can it? Can this yes. team as constituted or without one piece that we go get from a trade win the World Series? And the answer to that is now for me a definitive no. Yeah, and once yeah. you get to that sitting sp- uh, point, you've got to be responsible and you've got to trade Shane Bieber while he still has a year and a half left on his deal so he can give a season two chances at a yeah, World Series. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's gone. I hate to say it. The reason that the, also making that decision a little easier is the fact that Logan Allen has come up and pitched extremely well. So has Tanner Bybee. You've got Gavin Williams in the pipeline. Now, those three are coming. Savali comes off the DL tonight. He pitches tonight. On Sunday, Tristan McKenzie will make his debut. And you hope that he's the Tristan McKenzie pre-shoulder injury, but he's missed two months. Yeah. So there's probably going to be a little bit of time there. But I think is I'm not giving up on the season. Don't take this the wrong way. If I'm calling the shots, I have already made the decision this team cannot win a World Series. The, the lack of power is is too... It's stunning. It, it's, it's, it's debilitating because what happens is you saw the perfect case scenario yesterday. You're up 63. You look like you're dominating. And you're you did pump. it without power, really. You're doing yeah. it. You, you, you're getting... The bats are going. You're getting runs. It, you've worked your way into a position where you think, okay, let's close this out and get out of here with a win. And now we get two, essentially, from playing with the Twins because it's in the division. And you see how devastating the the, the two to three home run two three home run, run home runs are. You, you get a, you're down three all of a sudden it's tie ball game. <laughs> I, I, I was wrong to understand this. They would be two and a half out. Yeah, they, they're four and a half Minnesota out now. Will, they were Minnesota three and a half out one. yesterday. Yeah. So it's two games in yeah. the standings. So if you win that and you're two and a half out with three head to head to play. You could leave Minneapolis in first place. This, yeah, now correct. the best you can hope for is to sweep the last three, and even then you're a game and a half out. Yeah, yeah. Your your point about being competitive in the division and competitive in the grand land, in yes. the overall the landscape of baseball is different. The goal here is not is to win the Central. You could win the Central at 82 and 80, yes. which does not no make shot. you a good team, and that would put you fifth in the AL. you're not winning year. the World Series. You're not winning the World Series. And a lot, of, a lot of folks, I've had this conversation with some other fans, and they're like, hey, a couple of years ago, the Braves were under 500 on August 10th, and they won the World Series. That's true, but they had superstars on that team, yes. and they had bats that could, you know, could deliver home runs. This team and, just is there's well, a power shortage. Speaking of bats, the Guardians have scored five plus runs in four straight games now. Yeah. Do you know the last time they've done that? I'd say it I'm was, not asking anything crazy. Five no, runs in four straight games. It, it, well, definitely last year. I don't know that they did it last year, but it, it definitely Mid, wasn't this season. Mid-July last year. Yeah. Almost an entire calendar year. 148 games since they had scored five-plus runs in four games. Yeah. It was, and when you don't have power like that, loss. you have to be able to close games. The Guardians are 2-9 and nine in tied ball games heading into the ninth inning this year. And that's where they, they that was their bread and butter. Something. Everything broke in their favor last year. It's gone the opposite this year. Yeah. I'm with you. You got to trade Bieber at this point. So it's really it's really tough. I I – I think you got to trade Bieber as well. Um, we had we had our guest, we had or we lost we her. We lost her. We're trying to. She get just her came back on. She blinked out there for a second. Okay, but we have her. Yeah, we have so, her. So, gee, I'm going to let you bring her in because yes. you you were the first one that made contact with her. Tell us uh, who's joining the show now. 
Oh, um, um, well, this is Elena Sharps. Um, she reached out to me. Fix the graphic, guys. As you, as you know, um, she reached out to me after the Demar Hamlin situation. So one of the things is I'm, I'm being critical of the NFL, right? I, I've never been a person who's, who's held my tongue on certain things that I think the NFL does wrong. Um, and she reached out to me um, because. She had saw some things go down, obviously, with the Deshaun Watson thing. Obviously, when you go back and look at Ray Rice and some domestic things. But it was interesting. She reached out to me and said, you really spoke really passionately uh, about DeMar Hamlin. And I'm coming up with a program um, to kind of help NFL teams navigate, as you said, some tough waters when it comes to, um, you know, some of the things that's going on, whether it's player safety, whether it's financial literacy, whether it's domestic violence issues. And she reached out and said, hey, would you mind being a consultant and, and saying, you know, talking about some different things? And she was able to, you know, say not only am I interested in some of those things. I'm not interested in bashing the NFL. I'm interested in coming up with a program that can help them um, have some foresight and kind of prevent some of these things from happening. So, Elena, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us today. Thank you for having me. So, Elena, of all the stuff, that, and there's a lot going on and a lot to process there, uh, what do you think is the single biggest issue the NFL needs to get a handle of? Because between the domestic violence and the safety issue, those are two obviously massive issues that the league would love to be able to get in front of and say that they're showing progress in those areas. Uh, and they're trying to tout progress in those areas all the time, but I don't think it's real. I know G. Bush doesn't think it's real. Which of the problems facing the league, in your view, is, is the most pressing? So I'm looking at things from a domestic violence and sexual assault situation. I need the league think that the league needs to be more proactive in their approach instead of reactive. Get to the root cause of why these situations keep happening. I think there needs to be more awareness and education in the domestic violence and sexual assault realm. What a lot of players may think is consensual in a lot of sexual situations may not be actual consensual contact. And I think that there is education that needs to be had around that. You know, Elena, we we talked about that, and specifically, we we've, we've seen that in kind of the Deshaun Watson case. And um, you, when we talked um, off camera, you you said something that was very interesting. There's a lot of times that people, um, their behavior or what they're doing, it may not be conscious, right? It may be something that we get in an organization in the workplace. You know, we may uh, live by a certain code because we're not thinking. We're not aware of what we're saying and how that looks and how that is being perceived. Do you think that's an issue that the NFL and, and other professional teams have? I do. I think that there needs to be education on personal boundaries because I don't think that we are self-aware a lot of times of other people's reaction, right? It's all, it all comes down to interpretation. I may interpret things one way, you may interpret things another. So I think that there needs to be some self-awareness that is taught so that people can start paying attention to people's reactions to what they're saying and what they're doing. Has the league made progress? Risk-based decisions. Elena, Elena, do you think that the league has made progress in, in this area? I think the league has made progress, but there's still more progress that needs to be made. A different approach to what they are doing today. Because if what they were doing today was actually working, we wouldn't continue to see these incidents pop up in the news. One of the things that I've heard, 
I've had both league officials and former players tell me this, that there's a spotlight that that is put on every single instance of domestic violence in the NFL because obviously they're in the public eye and these guys are all targets for news stories. Anytime something happens, particularly negative, the media comes out of the woodwork and they want to they tell these stories. I've had guys tell me, if you look at the NFL and you compare it to other work sectors, he said, uh, I've had players tell me, the same number of NFL players that are abusing spouses or someone uh, domestically mirrors that of society, mirrors that of doctors, mirrors that of teachers. It's the same with lawyers. So the, the point was, this is an inherent societal problem that is always going to exist on some level. And perhaps the idea that we're going to scrub it completely out of the NFL is just Pollyanna and it would never happen. What do you say to that? Right. I don't think you're going to completely scrub it out of the NFL. And you're right. This happens all over society. But when you're in the athletic realm and you're in the spotlight, you need to understand that. You need to understand that your actions are going to have consequences just because of who you are. So you need to take steps to protect your reputation, your career, and your income. And in a lot of situations, especially these athletes that started out as a very young age, they've been in a protective bubble, right? Mm -hmm. So they haven't had to learn about personal boundaries. They haven't had to learn about consequences for their behavior. They get to the professional realm and they're still doing these things that they got away with their entire childhood and teenage years. They take it into the professional space where they're making millions of dollars. They're in the spotlight and they get in trouble. And it throws them off guard because they never had to suffer consequences for their behavior in the past. So when you look so I just at, think that it's oh, more education and awareness. So what does this look like in practical terms? So if this panel becomes picked up by teams or leagues or whatever, what does that look like from the outside perspective looking in on how, what you guys can do to help? So I've assembled a team who specializes in identifying patterns of behavior with predictable outcomes. Armed with this information, professional organizations can build wraparound programs for their most important asset, which is their players. I've also designed a proprietary educational program based on social constructs for coaches, trainers, and athletes, which is a proactive approach as opposed to a reactive approach to educate and create awareness. I just think we need a different approach to this. No, we're not going to eradicate it completely. However, I think that by creating more awareness and putting more education around this, that we can limit the number of cases that are coming out. Um, in your, uh, I would guess, in, in your system and, and what you're trying to do, would this just target players or would this be something that executives, trainers, scouts, people in the front office would go through as well to kind of, you know, one thing called uh, the email Doku thing, right? Um, that was a big story in the news right. in terms of people having relationships at work, which is always <laughs> a bad thing. Like it, it never really quite ends up well. Um, is this something that um, is this something that, that this program can help as well uh, in that arena? 
Yes, it can. It's for everyone within the organization. I only mentioned the players, coaches, and trainers, but you're exactly right. Everyone in the front office could benefit from this training as well. The league does some of this, Alana. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with how much of it they do. I know they do their rookie symposium where they talk at length to the incoming players about this, but do they have a, an ongoing program that's mandatory for all of the players to sit through some of this and undergo it? And not just the pitfalls that exist while they're playing, but there's a stat that always blows my mind, and you might know this better than I. The last time I remember reading about this stat I believe it was somewhere in the lines of 75% of all former NFL players five years out of the game are either broke, addicted, divorced, or incarcerated. Um, do, do you know if there's any ongoing training that these guys need to go through to sort of help them navigate the pitfalls of being an active NFL player and also um, post-career? I do believe that the NFL players need help post-career. And that is something that we can assist them with as well, right? Because once you've been in the spotlight and you've had people around you for your entire athletic career, and then all of a sudden you're retired, and you don't have those support systems in place. I believe that they do need further support once they leave the league, someone to assist them with their finances, as well as if there's any mental health issues that needs you know, they need support for as well. Yeah, um, having spoken to hundreds of former NFL players, uh, the overwhelming majority share a very similar message that life on the outside, as a lot of them call it, is very, very difficult for them because really, you mentioned this earlier, for the first time in their lives, they're not part of the protected class. They don't have either high school teachers or principals looking out for them to make sure that their grades are good so that they stay eligible. Same in college, same at the professional ranks. It's like they're let out into the wild almost on their own. And now for the first time at 30, whatever, they have to figure out how to make that transition. And as we've seen, the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't always go well and it's very difficult. And I do think that you're right. There should be some sort of organized plan in place that the league not even, I think they need to be more proactive. There's, they, they may say to the players, we're here if you need us, mm -hmm. but it becomes lip service pretty quickly. They need, I think, to be a little more proactive and try to make that transition a little easier. Elena, um, thank you for joining us. Is there, is there anything that we can, is, is there a book that folks can read to learn more about this, a website? How, what, what should they do if they want more information? Sure. So you can go to my website, which is sharpermindsetgroup.com, and you can read more information on my program or reach out to me on my social media as well. And I'm on Instagram as at Alana Sharps and Facebook as well. All right. Very good. Alana, thanks for joining us. We appreciate thanks. it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's a big issue um, with a lot of guys that really find themselves lost. I think Leroy has touched on this yeah. topic a number of times where he said, you know, it took two years for him just to get well mm -hmm. physically. And then you have to start dealing with the mental part. Okay. Now I'm on the outside. I don't have any handlers. I don't have anybody setting my agenda for me. I don't any, have anybody plotting a course for me. And I know 
to people that maybe aren't in this world, they, they listen to this and they're like, uh, you're a grown man. You're an right. adult. Adjust. Yeah. It's tough because they've had everything done for them. And that's not their fault. That's societally. That's how, you know, we put our athletes on a pedestal. And the better you are, the less you know about what life is like in the real I, world. Yeah. I, I find it I, I find it really fascinating that, you know, to me, when, when Charles Barkley says I'm not a role model, right? Um, what we have to realize is that in today's society, I believe athletes are at the highest end of the food chain. Because if you think about it, athletes get in trouble for things that we our politicians don't even get in trouble for. A- a- actually, openly, they openly do these things, right? Like, I, I juxtapose the fact that, you know, people can pose with AR-15s and John Morant looks like he might get suspended all year. What, what athletes don't understand is that that bar. They don't mm-hmm. get the fact that, hey, my favorite rapper is Little Dirk and he has guns. He shoots, he, he don't get in trouble when he go on Instagram. Then you say, hey, my elected official from my precinct, he, he's a, a Second Amendment advocate, right? He's doing, but at the end of the day, athletes got to understand, in this country, you at the highest level. And yep. you got the most spotlights when you at, at that given time. And so you just got to be smart about what you're doing and understand where you at. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's something that we're not as a show. We're, we're you know, we're not going to dive into this every day, but certainly it's on our radar. Uh, it's something that uh, I think made huge news last year with, you know, how the league addressed the DeMar Hamlin situation. And, you know, he's very fortunate that he is going to resume his playing career yep. and he will be back. But um I also, and the other thing too, I wanted to bring up a point. It hit me when she was talking. The outside world, the general fan, most of them think, why do we need to help these guys? These guys are millionaires. The overwhelming majority of these guys, when they walk away from the game, have less than one year's salary in the bank. Yep, crazy. They they don't plan for it. They don't, they think the money train is always going to be backing up to that front door. And by the way, you hear about the contracts that the Patrick Mahomes of the world sign. That's not what these guys make, not even close. No. You know, a lot of them are in, and even, even, it sounds like I'm crying, you know, for someone that doesn't need tears because, you know, the average salary is what? Do we even know? What is league A couple minimum? hundred thousand. I think league, league minimum was like 550. Four, uh, 450, five fifty. Okay, yeah. so when you start, when you hear that number and you're like, oh, well, that's more money than, you know, they'll need for 10 years. Well, you're in a high tax bracket, so you're losing a third of it right off the bat. Boom. It's then six, you've got 660, by the way. What is six, it? 660. The six, minimum six. salary is slated to raise to 750 in 2023. Okay. About so let's just based off the 750. Okay. A third of that has gone to taxes, so there's 250 that you won't see. Now you're down to 500. Yep. You got to pay an agent. Yep. And most of the agent 10%. deals are 10%. Okay. Some of them are four. Some of them are less, depending on the quality of the start. So that's by 100 grand, but 75. They're, 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 you're down to 500 post-tax. There's another 50 off the top. Now you're down to 450. And it sounds like, well, they're never going to have money problems the rest of their lives. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Most of them live like they're going to have that income stream for their entire life. You buy they, your mom they buy a house. cars they don't need. You mom buy, gets mom a house. gets a house. And that's the, their family obligations. I, yep. Most of the players tell me when they, when I ask them what's the biggest issue for you. Everyone asks for money. And they think, well, these guys back home see that I signed a three-year, $4 million contract, <laughs> and they're all in line now. I, and if I don't <laughs> do for them – then I'm a trader, my, and I'm turning my back on. We were down at the high school Hall of Fame uh, press conference, and me and Earl were sitting there talking to Mike Doss. 
And at the time, Mike Doss, when he came out of Ohio State, he was one of the highest decorated safeties that was at Ohio State. And I asked him because I never got an opportunity to ask him this before. I said, when you when you got drafted and, and then announced how much money you make, how many people asked for packs? He said, man, I had guys who 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 gave me five bucks after a, a, a McKinley football game that was in line. Talk about what we doing today. He's like, what do you mean what we doing? <laughs> yeah, and there's and they're, they're come out of everywhere. People learn of relatives. They didn't even know they had cousins starting cousins. Money. Yep. Um, I've heard pro athletes tell me stories of their fathers or at least people claiming to be their fathers who had not been in their lives since the day they were born just show showing up. up after they get that bag saying, where's mine? Yeah, That's are crazy. you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's when you say, I made it here despite you. Yeah, that's crazy. Not because of you. That's yeah. crazy. And and those I'm sure that those stories are a little more frequent than we would think. So all right, let's uh let's go to the NBA finals. Yeah, and before we Not do guys, good. I just want to remind you that the twelve o'clock lunch hour is brought to you by Colleague Companies Champions Championship. See your favorite golf legends play in Colleague Companies Championship July twelfth through July sixteenth at the famous Firestone Country Club. Fun, family-friendly events all week long featuring a new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every single night. There's something for everyone. Learn more at colleaguegolf.com. And to move on to the NBA reactions, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for probably winning the championship already after that first game. Feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it does, wasn't even worth watching. Can anybody make an argument right now for the Miami Heat? No. And I'm not just saying because they lost. It was no. just after you watch the game and after you see – what Jokic can – I mean, that that was their best chance to win a game. Like, I, I, I don't think two because now it's only going to get more difficult. It's going to get more difficult. A, Denver been off for nine days. Right. So you have that little bit of rust, and they shot nine of 27 from three. They shot 29% yeah. from three. But they three. shot overall 50%. But they're, you know, they're three-point shooting. They shot 43% to the plus, shot yeah. 29% last, uh, last night. Jokic took four shots in the first half, which is crazy. They, I was wondering what was going on. Well, it's pick your poison with him. Do you let him score or do you let everyone else score? They said, all right, Jokic, you're not going to score. We're going to let everyone else score. And well, they did. what did he do? He had 10 assists in the first half and became the second player ever, the first being LeBron James, with 10 assists and 10 rebounds and a half of basketball. He had a triple-double. He didn't look at his numbers. He played an average game last night, 8-12, super efficient. They were up 20 points. Yeah, I don't know if it was 9 or 10 points they got to the fourth quarter. Whatever it was, Miami went on an 11-0 run in the fourth to make it at least feel like a game for 30 seconds. And then yeah. Denver snapped their fingers, said, all right, peace out. We'll see you later. Deuces and cruise to an easy win. Man, yeah. Jay, I just, man, <laughs> when you start watching teams and, you know, playoff basketball, finals basketball, it, um, it, it'll sober you right on up. When, when you got Aaron Gordon coming out the way he came out and looking like he was, I don't know, the best. He looked like he was Carl Malone. He came out and scored the first, I think, four or five buckets to set the tone. He ended up seven and ten, 16.6 rebounds. But that's that's your fifth option. That guy is not when he starts coming out and doing that to you. And then Joker didn't even have a huge game. Like it was a quiet 27. What are you going to do when they play well? Yeah, what, no, what they haven't seen that yet. It's a wrap. They ain't even played. They ain't even played to their, their capabilities right now. So to me, this one is now all of this being said when they were when the heat were down. Uh, or rather, when they were up 3-0, we thought they were, you know, they're the best thing since the 16 Golden State Warriors. Uh, and then Boston came storming back, and it looked like the Heat were dead at that point because they had no momentum, and they had to find a way to win a Game 7 in Boston. Crazy. And they, they, they won that game running away. So I hate, to, I hate to have a funeral 
for Spolstra and for Pat Riley and for this Miami Heat team, I just will say this. It sure doesn't look good. Well, we, we talked about it yesterday. Before last night, the Nuggets were 6-0 and against Miami over the last three seasons. The average margin of victory is 13 points. It is a terrible matchup for Miami. Terrible. This does not include last night's win. Bam Adebayo is a really, really good defender. Wow. And Bam Adebayo is 6'9", 235 pounds of pure muscle. The dude's body fat's like 2%. He looks like a midget compared to Nikola Jokic. That's how good Joker is. And you mentioned Aaron Gordon. Small person. Little, p- Small little person. Small person. Dwarf, I apologize. By the way, Jokic is the MVP. And it's not uh, even close. But the, man, did they miss that. But to year. G's point of Michael Porter Jr. coming out of the woodworks, uh, Aaron Gordon coming out of the woodworks, that happens because Jokic demands 10 eyes when he's on the court. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're two people off the ball, if you're in help side, one person off the ball. No matter where he has the ball on the court, all 10 eyes of Miami's defense are looking at him. And that leads to backdoor cuts galore. And that's why Jokic's assist numbers are absurd. Everyone's looking at him. And you got guys like Aaron Gordon and MPJ who are both 6'9", 6'10", cutting to the rim against an undersized Miami front line. It is a terrible matchup. And I love Spo. That's the best coach team in the, in the entire NBA. It's not even close. If no. this goes more than five games, I will be shocked. Could the Cavs beat either one of these teams? Maybe Miami. I think they could beat Miami. I, th- I, I think I mean, they had a better regular season than Miami did. Um, Miami's not that good. I will say this. After I watch Denver this postseason and use them as the yardstick against the Cavs, we're a long ways no. away. Hey, hey, thank, Jay, thank, <laughs> thank you, Jay. Thank you for uh, – we, we are – it, this ain't the Duke of knee jerk. This is not a knee. This is just pure analysis. This ain't no emotion. Like I say it soberly that you are a very long, long way away from that. That machine. Yeah. That, Jokic is the kind of player that literally does make everybody around him better because of the attention yeah. that he demands. And there were times this year where teams were like, okay, Donovan Mitchell's not going to do that to us. Even though they had individuals step up and pick up the slack, it's a different ball game compared to what Denver has going with Jokic and just how how I, long how they how they pass the ball how they God they're a good pass they find the they best find passing the right team guy. in basketball it's they just, are the best passing and it's, team in it's basketball. not and it helps when you have the best passing big of all time he playing is. essentially point guard but they're unselfish the Murray Jokic pick and roll is literally unguardable. Did you see Kevin Garnett, the clip of Kevin Garnett, how he would defend it? Yeah, which is... Where, where he was talking about he's just going to body. Basically, he's going to, right off the game, he's going to pick him up on the inbound or, you know, when it's deep in their own, and he's going to start chucking him. And he goes, maybe the next time I'm going to lay back. And then when he comes into the, uh, past the timeline, he's going to chuck him again. Like, teams have tried to do that to They've him. everything. Whatever, like, it's, it's almost like there's no kryptonite for him. He's too big. Because whatever you decide to do... And I think the element of that is, and it sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. Because as I've watched this postseason, I've said to myself out loud, I've never seen a big that passes he the is ball the, any better. It's not, I don't, listen. I mean, I know Magic Johnson, but Magic Johnson wasn't a big. He no. Was a he, was a, he was a guard. And Jokic is a point center. And they run their he entire offense center. through him. He initiates the offense. He brings the ball up the court half the time. Watch Jokic. And, and the playoffs has opened, I think, the league's and the country's eyes to Jokic. If you're a basketball fan, obviously you've seen him play. Yeah, Two-time now, MVP. It's not like he was unknown, but a lot of people are seeing him play on a sustained level for the first time. He does things and makes passes that guys like LeBron five years ago would have been the only one that could see. 
He makes yeah. Steve Nash passes, and he's seven feet tall that's, and long that's arms. The difference. And he sees over the defense in ways that it doesn't matter what you do defensively. He's going to get the end. And by the way, who's the seven-footer that drifts out to the three-point line no, that, that demands you have to guard him? You got to put a hand up. That's money. He is a, a, a passing, shooting big. And I know the league has moved away from the true center, but if you can find a guy with a skill set like that, that's the cheat code right now. And, to the NBA. and, and, to, and congratulations and shout out to all the coaches that are afraid of innovation. I can go you, I could go in and show you players that wouldn't traditionally fit in what basketball is doing mm-hmm. and say, look how they changed the game. Steph Curry started shooting from half court. Yep. <laughs> you know, you can do about it. You take a look at LeBron. How many times would back in the day would they say you can't LeBron needs to be underneath the basket. He shouldn't be controlling the ball yep. 24 hours a day. You look at what, what, what Jokic is doing. You would for a person in a team to have the foresight to say I'm going to let him play his game and you have no blueprint for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's I know. tremendous. So, you know what Miami's counter is going to be in game two. No, what are they going to do and it's differently? Not, it's not going to work, but here's what they're going to try to do. Kevin Love's going to guard Jokic, and they're mm-hmm. going to have Bam be the roamer, essentially the free well, that's, safety that's back there disaster. to try and uh, detract him from hitting all these backdoor cuts. It's not going to work. Yeah, no, that's a disaster. It's, I'm telling you right now, it is not going to work. I think that's what Miami's going to do. By the way, if they do that and it works, and they somehow, and I don't think it's going it's to happen, not going. It is not somehow. It is win, not going to work. I don't think it's going to try In to fact, do. I think it's going to be a disaster. Jokic will go but for fifty. Is what it's going it to turn into. And Miami wins an NBA championship, essentially because they picked up Kevin Love off the scrap heap. Yep. That's going to be another in the long list of Cleveland sports heartbreaks. That if someone would have told me, I was thinking this when I was watching last night. If someone would have told me in February that the NBA finals are going to have a team from the East. That wasn't the one. It wasn't the two. It wasn't a, it, and it was a team that had Kevin love on it. Yeah. You would be like, Oh my God, the Cavs are in the finals. Right. And then they fell apart. It wasn't the one, the two, the three, and they had Kevin love on their roster. And I think Miami's going to do that because at least Kevin Love has size. He's not tall, but he's you know still 220 yeah, but pounds. Yeah, he's a disaster on I, defense. I, I get it, but at least when Bam's on Jokic, everyone else is spread out. You could put him as the, the free safety and essentially come run a double team at him, and it's not going to work. Jokic is going to go for 50. Like that, that's what's going to happen. I'm surprised instead. if they do that. Instead of passing and only taking four shots in the first quarter, he's going to take 15, 16 shots and have 33 points at halftime. See, I think that's a more with likely two assists, scenario. Which is what's going to happen, but they have to try something else. Because they got absolutely what obliterated. And I think that's their only other. Like, they don't have another big. Cody Zeller played yesterday. Yeah, they I know. That's, that's even worse. But, 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 G. Bush, let me ask you this. If there's a team that you're confident that has the ability to make an adjustment, is it Miami the team? Yeah. yeah. Because with Pat Riley and, and Spo as the sort of brain trust here, I, I've got a lot of confidence that if there is a fix, they'll find it. But I don't know that there is one. Yeah. And Bam played pretty well. <laughs> You know, shot almost 50% from the field. Bam played well. He had 25 points. I, I just think that for them to win a game, they're going to have to pull something. I think Kevin Love does have to play. I think they got – what they have to do is they need to go to the Ty Lue, uh, ball approach. We we want to shoot 43s a day. We're going to shoot 43s. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. 
Um, that's their only hope. That's the only hope. They got to hope they get five. They got to they they hit, yeah. hit 25 threes. That's it. That's it. Other than that, it's a wrap. There is no answer to Jokic. Like, we can no, talk about he's the NBA. There is code. no answer to Jokic in the NBA. And Miami, as good as Bam is, too small. cannot guard Jokic in the I, way that he needs to. Has there ever been a player like Jokic? No. Like, at that level? Well, that is a big that can shoot, that can find the open man. Some of the passes he makes, I'm like, that's not getting through. I think He's I, the best passer in basketball. I think it's he, unbelievable. He is the best passer in basketball. I think somebody somebody said this. I forget who said it. I don't know whether it's Isaiah Thomas or somebody. He said, uh, Joker plays like the prime Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah. Like he plays like okay, yeah, that's, that's Arvidas like pre back injury. Pre injury. Yeah, right, like right, when right. he was one of the best dudes on the in the in the Eastern Hemisphere. Like No, that's that that he might plays be like it. him. Uh, one uh one Sabonis story real 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 quick and then we'll move on to the top five. I heard this when they were talking about uh Roy Hachimura after game one when he played pretty well against Jokic. Apparently when he came to Gonzaga, he didn't speak English very well. And he did something in practice and Mark Few called him a dumbass. And he thought he was calling him Domas Sabonis, who was his favorite player growing up. So he has this big grin on his face, like, oh, I did something like Domas. And he was calling him a dumbass. And that's that's very different. good. Yeah. A little sidebar. Uh, yeah. Anthony, what's next? Yeah, I just want to remind everybody one last time today that it's you can story. see your favorite I, Golf I, Legends play <laughs> in the Collie Companies Championship July 12th through July 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. Fun, family-friendly events for all weekend long, featuring a new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every single night. There's something for everyone. Learn more at CollieGolf.com. So I took a vacation, what, like three weeks ago? Mike missed yeah. me, decided to make I did. a top five. We did. We missed you. Missed you yeah, a lot. Well, after today, I don't know if I missed myself. But anyways, <laughs> Earl made his for debut, what, last week? We made a top five about Earl. Yeah. Now, this was a little tough because McNuggets is an open book, but we're doing top five things you need to know about McNuggets. Oh, that wow. You might not know about McNuggets. You might know about McNuggets. This one's more for a casual audience, maybe. As we said earlier, I spend a lot of time with Anthony and Earl these days, like a lot of time. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see what you guys They uh, know it all at this point. See if you can remember. Alvin yeah, so and the chipmunks. We can take number five here, Steve. He, as mentioned earlier, has turned Earl and I into gym rats. I know. That's crazy. That's true. I was in there, was it yesterday? I was in there, and Anthony. I was in there yesterday. Anthony was in there working out without McNuggets. I don't know that I've seen that before. No, I don't usually work out here alone, no. I usually go to the gym over in Parma, but. Okay. And you, but look, he, he was here by himself. Hey, Anthony every was, step counts. Anthony was in there and lifted in uncomfortable gear. He had Doc Martens on, <laughs> a random a hockey jersey, and a backwards hat. I said, dang, bro. Dang. You, he, what are you going after there? Like, he's like, you going out after this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and my girl are going to do something. So you go get Well, you going to have to get rid of them Where's, shoes, dog. Where's Bree? Bree's, Bree's back here. Oh, Bree's back here. Okay. She, she fell asleep early. for like 30 minutes of the show, so that's, you know, on me. I got to make a better show. Damn, Sorry, guys. Anthony. She was underneath the table. All right, let's just. take four here, Steve. <laughs> Mike, always on time, never late, Fact. ever once. Fact. Can't imagine him ever being late. When he is late and shows up after me, I worry. I like, feel like I need to call him. Wow. Functual yeah. is – yeah. That's uh, my sophomore year of college, we had 6 a.m. workouts, and we had just signed – Jim O'Brien was our coach, and he had just signed the best recruit Emerson ever signed. And that kid was late for the 6 a.m. workout by two minutes, and he kicked him out and made him run suicidally sprint later. If I have an alarm set, I don't sleep to my alarm. My alarm is set for 7 every morning. I wake up at like 6.45. Good. Can't sleep past my alarm. I hate being late. It drives me crazy. All right, good. That's a great characteristic. Yeah. I, wish I, was late today, by the I wish I could say that I'm never late, but I'm always late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really good like when we started. 
801 sounds good to me. I, got I was late today. Earl was late today, yeah. I got a four-day street going. Four. Yeah, hey, G, hey, shout out G. Bush. He's been here by at least 1030, four I, days in a he row. He was here when I pulled in. I pulled in at like 1022. And, and G he was, was sitting there. G was the G, constant. G scared yeah. me a little bit. I walked in today with Bree to the studio, and he was just sitting there quietly on his phone. I was like, oh. I know. When I, when I pulled in, I looked over in the studio as I drove by, and I'm like, Damn, G. Bush is already in there. That's yeah. Steve be getting scared too. Sometimes the light be off. He be like, "What the hell?" He's be sitting here in the dark. He be like, "Hey, bro, you can't do that. You already dark. That's some scary. <laughs> that's some scary stuff, bro. You just see a shadow." <laughs> all right, what's number three? I think yeah. we all know this one, but the fans might not. Mike walks everywhere. If oh, he yeah. doesn't really? have to drive, he is Yon. not driving. Oh, Walker oh. refuses. I don't <laughs> even know if he has a driver's nugget. license. Hey. He might be driving illegally. We no, be, yeah, be walk everywhere. We be having post-game shows. <laughs> And sometimes McNuggets might be at the game or out and about. He'd be like, yeah, guys, I'm, 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 I'm on my way. I'm like, where are you going? You out of breath. I'm walking. <laughs> we did Why that. do you do that? Well, I live downtown. I, I hate paying. For, I refuse to pay for parking. It's another, I don't know if that's also, yeah, If you did tune into it, was, yeah. was it the last post it was the last the Cavs? Yeah. The Cavs lost game. Mike was sprinting back. Sprinting the Cavs like, lost game five. I left Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse with two minutes on the clock. I sprinted home. It's like almost two miles. I was on this, the FaceTime. I think we tweeted a video. I was on the FaceTime with Anthony, or on the stream with them, sprinting home. Before the game ended. I made it home on time for the stream. Well, it, it was like wow. by yeah. the minute. So, once again, yeah. still on time. Yep. So yeah. Like, yeah. Good on he, you, man. He also, he that was terrible, walks. by the way. I shouldn't have done that. No, you should have just let us I was so sweaty on the post fine, game. But yeah, I bet. And out of breath. Yeah, not good. I, he said not it's good. an East Coast thing, but he does speed walk, too. Yeah, it's in New York, like, New we'll Jersey. We'll pull into thing. the garage yeah, at the same time. There. Yeah. I use the elevator in the morning because I'm lazy and tired, and he'll walk <laughs> up the steps, and he'll beat me up there. Hey, it's that all about, all about yeah, efficiency. Like no wasted seconds in the day. Yeah, well, good. Right? All, all right, right, let's go with number two here, Steve. Mike has more flight delays than anybody I have ever met in my entire life. This is tough. I'm not, I think he's just too cheap to pay for the direct flights. Ain't them layovers? No, this one to Jersey was direct both ways, and I spent 13 hours in the airport. Oh, you that's, did? that's yeah. crazy. This past weekend. That's crazy. You know, I wonder if it's yeah. just a New Jersey thing, because my son, who coaches at Rutgers, it's like every time he comes home, it, it's he's delayed coming here. He's delayed going back. It's just, it's terrible. People tell, yeah. me, people tell me the Jersey, the Jersey traffic so crazy. That you'll be in traffic five hours, six hours. I mean, when you go down the shore if you're trying on to a Friday the yeah, it's after terrible. Memorial Day, um, you could sit. Yeah. I have. You could sit in traffic for upwards of four, five, six That's hours. That's crazy. It's yeah. It's brutal. No. What oh, do you it's, mean? It's, it's horrible. Well, you got because all the people everybody lives these? in the concrete jungle yeah. or suburbs of the city, and they want to get to the beach, and the beaches of New Jersey are phenomenal. Fact. And so everybody wants to go down the shore. And so you just wait. You just sit in that traffic and you wait. And the issue is all these little shore towns, G, are not built for massive floods of people. No, they're not. So it's like they'll have you a, get off the exit. stoplight at the end of the exit. That's what it is. And it might stay green 30 seconds. for 30 seconds because they also have to keep th the, the through traffic yeah. and the town moving. Oh, and Lord. so you'll, eight cars you get, will get through the light. And then the line will move up eight cars. Yeah, exactly. And then you'll sit yeah. until the light changes. And it's every exit on the parkway going down the shore. Yep. You just sit there and you wait. That's it's, disgusting. I was on frustrating. In the terms of the flight delays, I was on a pretty good streak of not being delayed. And the last five of my last six flights have been delayed. Wow. And they were all direct, too. Terrible. So Damn. Mike and I have had the conversation, too. We're like, I'm from Cleveland, born and raised here. If I can't go over the speed limit, that means there's traffic. 
And yeah, Anthony was like, yeah. I don't know real traffic. Yeah. Right. So we like have this conversation every time we're yeah. like, having lived anywhere. here for a bunch of my life and in the Northeast for 17 years, I can tell you, we do not know what traffic is. No. Even Two. on your worst snarl up on 480, and you, yeah, we do. That's on the regular. That's a good flow day in the New York metro <laughs> area. 2.30 in the afternoon. It took me an hour to get out of Charlotte when I was at that wedding in North oh, Carolina. Hey, Charlotte. It drove me crazy. Charlotte's terrible. Oh, before you do number Charlotte's one. Charlotte's terrible. Can I add something to this? Yeah, go for it. I, I drove on Dead Man's Curve for the first time yesterday. What? I know what it That's is now. That's not true. I finally... You've texted us before that you've driven on I was it. not on lie? it. I was not on it. You liar. I was not on it. I was in the. I was driving back. For, well, no, no. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And then last night, because it comes off and then loops back around yeah, to. Uh, yeah. You live right by it almost. I didn't know where it was, but I drove on it last night, and it literally tells you, like, you will die if you're not going 25, essentially. And that's yeah. how I knew it was. So I was on a different exit that was just a big loop. And it is fun fact I thought was. about Dead Man's Curb. Bree's sister is terrified of it because she's from Columbus and she's never been on it. She came up here for a concert was like, I don't have to drive on Dead Man's Curb, do I? <laughs> I was like, no, you're good. Well, I mean, any road that's called Dead Man's Curve. Yeah. I see, I see why now. Yeah. It's and horrifying. I only bring that up because Anthony had, Earl had asked me if I'd driven on it before. And I was like, I think. And I really did think I was. And it wasn't. And then last night, my GPS took me a different way home from basketball for whatever reason, and it took me on it. And as soon as you got on it, you're like, oh, this is dead. That's that's, like, I knew it. It It's one of those things. I thought I was, but I knew it when I knew it. Yeah. It's a 90 degree angle. It is. Just terrible, terrible. That was whoever did that. No offense. I hope you're watching. Please like and subscribe. I'm sure you're a big UCSS fan. Thank you, but that was a dumb decision. Yeah, that's that whole woman, the whole that 90 terrible. thing is crazy. Yeah. Okay, what's, uh, what's number, number one? one? All right, last one. So you guys might know Earl as the snack king. Mike not allowed around snacks. He Fact. will eat all of them. We Fact. have to keep them away. He will eat the cookies. Yeah. He will eat the donuts. Nope. He will yeah. eat the nope. checks. <laughs> yep. He will eat anything yep. that you put in front of him, and you have to hide it from him, or it, it'll be gone. I love that graphic. Who did that? That's it. I found that on Google. I'll be honest. Hey, uh, Jay, I love really good. I thought it was hysterical. Jay, I left my snacks upstairs. This was a couple months ago. I had some Wildberry uh Yeah, that's chew, my bad, bro. My I bad. left them on my desk. I my come bad. back to work the next day. Mike, like, yeah, uh, my bad, bro. Yeah. You just left him there a day too long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, them got, them got we sat- got one minute here, guys. But got we had donuts delivered to us by, uh, was it Greedy Sports Cards? Yeah, that's my bad, too, bro. Mike, my Mike bad walked too. back my and bad. forth and just took three donuts. He's like, you got to yeah. keep these away from me. And then kept going yeah. back and forth to the donuts. We're like, Mike, yeah. where do you put it? That's crazy. I, I, he plays basketball three nights a week. I, You're never going to notice it. Yeah. No, but I feel it. And that's like my cabinet at home. It's It looks like. No one lives there because if there's food, I will eat it. It's a problem. My parents never had snacks growing up, so now whenever I get snacks, it's it's an issue. Earl's the king of snacks. I can't be around snacks. Seriously, if you see me, I will do. I will. I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I love it. Oh. Uh, great show, guys. Later. Monday. Tom Dart. I can't do it. Brown's great. Will join the program. Snacks. Overtime is next. Jeez.